Hey, I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This week kicks off our brand new teaching series, Big Deal. Here at Valley Point, there are some things that are a big deal to us. We describe them as our faith catalysts. These are the things that drive us as a faith community. These are the things that are at the core of how we function. It's what we celebrate. Join Valley Point Church throughout the month of November as we look at each of these three faith catalysts. We're in the series called Big Deal, and it's pretty simple. We're looking at three different faith catalysts that drive us as Valley Point Church. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to think about these catalysts as for me. It's not just for an organization. It's not just for a group. They're not just for a church. They are for me. And so we have to personalize these things. And we should be living them. Actually, we should be living them passionately. Like I'll think about them or perhaps at some point I'll engage in living out these catalysts. No, these things are a big deal to God, so they should be a big deal to us, and we should realistically be living them passionately. And so let's just take a moment here, and let's pause, and let's ask God to meet us in this place and to challenge us today. Will you pray with me? Father, we step into your presence, and we're grateful for another Sunday just to gather and to think about what you want to say to us from your word. We're in the series called Big Deal, and we're thinking through the things that matter to you. And because they're important to you and because they're valuable to you, they should be valuable to us as well. And so as we look at a paragraph of Scripture and just peel that apart and think about what you want to communicate to us, God, help us to be alert and ready to take these catalysts, and live them out passionately in our lives. God, I really believe that you have something specific for us today that you want to speak into our hearts. For some, this may be challenging and difficult. And so I pray that you'd prepare their hearts now to just engage with what you want to do in their life. God, for others, this might be a great reminder of some things that I've done in the past and maybe I've forgotten about them and have kind of placed them on the shelf. And today is all about taking these disciplines back off the shelf and dusting them off and really engaging in them so we can live passionately for you. So, God, wherever we're at on our spiritual journey, help us to be open and awake and ready to think through what you want to say to us today. And, God, we'll give you all of the credit and all of the glory for everything that you do in and through us as we live out these catalysts. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we said this. Faith catalyst number one is embrace people. And here's what that means. It means that we welcome, include, and love people without expecting anything in return. And we deliberately create environments where relationships can thrive. We embrace people. 
And we find this activity in the life of Jesus. And this is something that he wants for us as individuals and certainly for us as a faith community, that we would go out from here and even in here and we would embrace people and love them without expecting anything in return. I got to tell you, I had a fantastic time last week just walking through the three different stories in the Gospels where we find Jesus doing a couple of different things. He was very willing to touch the untouchable. And he actually did that. He touched people that you weren't supposed to touch. He physically got very close to them. And not only did he touch the untouchable, but he loved the unlovely. He was willing to run to the messes. And the challenge for us is we have to be willing to inconvenience ourselves once in a while and do the same thing because this is what Jesus wants for us. So no options here. We have to embrace people. And I hope that you had a great time this past week just going out and thinking about the people that God has placed right around you. Because often when we think about embracing people, it's about, i got to go way over there. But ultimately, we don't have to go way over there. We can look at the person sitting next to me or behind me or in front of me or the person that I go to school with or the person that I work with, and they need Jesus too. And that's the person that God wants me to embrace and not expect anything in return. So faith catalyst number one is all about challenging us as individuals and as a church to embrace people, those who are marginalized and excluded and left out. Let's chase them and let's embrace those people without expecting anything in return. All right, here's faith catalyst number two and what we're going to spend our time on today, and that is apply truth. Apply truth. And this is something that should drive us It's not just something to talk about, not just something to think through. This should actually be driving us, and we need to be living this and living it passionately. So here's what apply truth means. It means that we are passionate about applying biblical truth so that it makes a difference in how we live. We enthusiastically pursue practical teaching and encourage private spiritual disciplines. So it's kind of two parts to this, all right? We're going to get active and engaging in what God wants for us and from us, and we find that in his word. And so we're going to engage in practical teaching because this guides and helps us and challenges and encourages. And so we need practical teaching in our lives, but we also need something else. We must engage on our own in these private spiritual disciplines. So guess what our big idea for today is? Apply truth. We're going to keep it simple, all right? Faith catalyst number two, apply truth, practical teaching, and the engagement of private spiritual disciplines. And we're going to work through that, and we're going to think about that, and this is certainly a big deal to God. So here's what I want to do now. I want to ask two questions. How? How do you actually implement this, and why do we even need to talk about this at all? So let's think about the why for a second. What happens when you run out of resources in your life? It generally becomes a pretty bad day for you. Think about it for a moment. If you run out of food, it's not good. If you run out of water, it's not good. If you run out of coffee... 
right? It's not good. And here's what happens when we run out of resources. We die or we get really crabby. Now, think about this. What happens when we run out of spiritual resources? Well, we either die or we get really crabby or probably a combination of the two. And so here at Valley Point, we have a strategy in place where we want to keep people off the path of loss, off the path of death and crabbiness. And the way we do that is by applying truth, practical teaching, and the engagement of private spiritual disciplines. Now, practical teaching. This is what's happening right now. This is what we're engaged in in this very moment. But there's something else that we need to add to that, and that is private spiritual disciplines. This is something that we have to do on our own outside of this room. And today I want to focus on two disciplines. Now, there are more disciplines than this that we could spend our time on, but I think these two are key to our survival and not getting really crabby in our spiritual walk. And so the two disciplines that we're going to think about are time in God's Word outside of here and time talking with God or prayer outside of here. So those are the two disciplines we're really going to wrestle with. Time in God's Word outside of Sunday morning and time talking with God or prayer outside of Sunday morning. And I want you to know that God's expectation for every person who follows him is that we would engage in his word and in conversation with him in prayer outside of a church service. So what's happening in our lives Monday through Saturday, God's expectation is that we meet him on those days in his word and in conversation with him through prayer. And I really believe that if we got intentional with these two disciplines, time in God's Word and time talking with God, that we would see God work in our lives in ways that we can't even imagine and that our impact would be unlimited. Think about that for a moment. And if we really got intentional about these private disciplines... Time in God's Word and talking with God on our own outside of a Sunday morning, Monday through Saturday, if we got super focused on that and really intentional, I think God would begin to do things in our lives that we can't even imagine or think of right now, and our impact would be unlimited, and this is what happens when we apply truth. So there's a church responsibility in this. That's the practical teaching part. And that's what's happening right now. And I just want to say, I I love this. I do. I love preparing for this day. And this is one of my most favorite opportunities throughout the week is when I get to stand in front of you. And I love thinking about our content and what's going to be the theme and what paragraph are we going to unpack and what are the stories that are there and what are the takeaways that we can share. I love, love, love this time. And I hope that you enjoy it as well. It's part of our strategy of keeping us off the path of loss. Practical teaching. But again, outside of here, we all have a responsibility to engage in time in God's word and prayer. We do that in this moment. And that's great. And that's wonderful. And I think all of you benefit from that. But outside of here, we have a responsibility. And I say this all of the time. 
If the only spiritual nourishment you get is what you receive on Sunday morning, it is not enough. You will starve spiritually. It's just not enough. And so we've got to figure this out and we have to engage in these private spiritual disciplines. So let's think about how we need to operate in that world from Monday to Saturday. And this is really the how. And the how is challenging and difficult because it involves work on our part. It's not that simple. It's not that easy. It involves digging spiritual wells that refresh us all of the time, and that's a bit challenging. And so to help us kind of contemplate all of this, I want to think through a story in the very first book of the Bible called Genesis. It's the story of Isaac. Now, here's what we know about Isaac. He's one of the three patriarchs. There's Abraham, his father, and then Isaac, and then Jacob. Out of those patriarchs, Isaac is the least talked about of the three. He's the one least likely to leave a footprint, but yet that's actually what he does for us, and it's a pretty strong footprint. There's also something else we know about Isaac, and that is he was extremely wealthy, and that creates some interesting scenarios. So here's what we discover in Genesis chapter 26, verse 12. When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted, for the Lord blessed him. Well, that's great, isn't it? And he became a very rich man, and his wealth continued to grow. That's great, isn't it? He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and servants, that the Philistines, another people group, became jealous of him. Not so great. So here's what this other group did. The Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father, Abraham. So Isaac is the son of Abraham. And when Abraham passes, Isaac inherits many things, including all of his father's wealth. And he begins the process of building his own wealth. One of the things that he also inherited from his father were wells, wells of water. And they had to dig them back in the day in order to survive. They needed water, and that's what they did. And often what would happen in this culture is that these patriarchs would dig a well in a particular place, and it would serve as a reminder of God's provision. Like, here's what God did for me. Here's how God provided. Here's how God met our needs. Let's dig a well. That's just what they did. And then they would name the well after what had happened in their life. And then they would be able to tell their children and their grandchildren the great story of how God had provided every time they would go to the well for water. Well, what happens in Genesis chapter 26 is that there is a group that gets a little jealous of Isaac and all of his wealth and everything that he has. And so they get together and they go and they fill up all of his father's wells. So he can't use them anymore. And for the first time in Isaac's life, he finds himself without resources. And so he's forced into action, and here's what he did. Verse 17. So Isaac moved away to the Gerar Valley where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug in this new place, which the Philistines had also filled in after Abraham's death. So he redug the wells of his father. 
He moves to a new place, and he finds even more wells. I'm like, wow, my dad was amazing. He even dug wells over here. They're filled with dirt. Let's get all the dirt out so we can be resourced once again. Isaac also restored the names that Abraham had given to those particular wells. And this all sounds great, doesn't it? I mean, he had wells, and they were kind of a problem. And so Isaac takes his family and his tribe and all of his great wealth, and he moves to a new area. And there he finds wells that his father had also dug, and he gets the dirt out of them. And now he is resourced once again. This is all wonderful. There's only one problem. They're not his wells. They don't belong to him. And there is a limit to borrowed resources. Right? Think about any time you've borrowed something from somebody. Right? At some point it gets a little awkward. It gets a little strange. And there is a limit to borrowed resources. Now I want you to think about that in the spiritual world for a moment. Because there is a limit to borrowed spiritual resources. There is a place for them. They do resource and they do help. But there is a limit to borrowed spiritual resources. Toward the end of Isaac's life, we find him moving once again because the Philistines chase him and they fill up the wells one more time and so he's out of resources and now Isaac moves to a new place where his father had never been. And guess what he does there? He digs some wells. But they're not his father's wells. They are his wells at this point and there he finds tremendous refreshment, and he has an opportunity to say, here's what God did for me. Not for my father, and not for that tribe, but here's what God has done for me. Here's how God has provided for me. And I now have a story to share of God's provision in my life, because here's the wells that I have dug on my own. Here's what we find Isaac doing in verse 19. Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerar Valley, and discovered a well of fresh water. But here comes the conflict. The shepherds came from Gerar, and they claimed the spring. This is our water, they said, and they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named that well Essek, which means argument. And then Isaac's men dug another well, but again there was a dispute over it. So Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time there was no dispute over it, so Isaac named the place Rehoboth Beach. <laughs> like I, if you look, I think it's in there in really small print. And this is why you got to read God's Word, because the state of Delaware is actually in the Bible. Who knew that? So he calls the place Rehoboth, which means open space, for he said, at last... At last, at last, the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. All right, based on that story and the digging of wells, borrowing his father's wells and then getting to a place where he had to dig his own wells, I want to share three thinking points, and here's number one. It's okay to borrow spiritual resources. It's okay to do that. In order to get started in the spiritual life, you will need to borrow resources at some point from the church or from the person who invited you to investigate the claims of Christ. 
you will need to borrow their favorite verses and you will need to borrow their prayers and their verbiage and their lifestyle and that is okay. If you've recently trusted in Jesus alone, borrow, borrow, borrow everything that you can. Copy, copy, copy because it's okay to borrow spiritual resources from others. But here's the thing. At some point, you got to move on. And you have to discover your own spiritual wells. And you got to dig your own spiritual wells. Listen, far too many people stay too close to where they got in when they trusted in Jesus. And they think they're safe and they're secure and eternity is set. They have a home in heaven and they never grow. They never dig their own wells. They stay right where they got in. And that's not what God wants for us. That's not normal. That's like a baby who doesn't grow and mature. That's a bit strange. And if you're a Christ follower who has stayed right where you got in, that's not what God wants for you. He wants you to move at some point from borrowing the spiritual resources of others and dig your own wells. That's what God wants. And here's why. It's because developing your own resources increases your impact. Like you can have impact borrowing the spiritual resources of others and their verses and their prayers and their words. You can have impact doing that, but when you dig your own well and when you discover something that God has done for you and it's all you and what God has provided in your life, this increases your impact in a very significant way. You know, once Isaac knew that he could find water on his own, he was able to move into new areas. He was able to leave home base where he got in and he was able to discover uncharted territory. And it's there that he found wells of his own that he was able to dig and it's the same in our spiritual lives. When we move beyond where we got in, we get into new territory. We leave home base and we begin discovering things about God on our own that takes us into uncharted territory and there our impact just goes way up for God's redemptive purposes. Third point, finding new resources also assures me of God's sufficiency. See, every time I find a new source of spiritual strength, I am reminded of the goodness of God. Every time. Every answer to prayer, are you kidding me? That's like a new well that we get the opportunity to dig and we can point back to that answer to prayer and say, look what God did and here's how he provided and here's how he resourced me. Every verse that kind of jumps off the page, you're like, my goodness, that was right there for me. And that's exactly what I needed today. That's a new well that I dig and a new resource that is just for me. Had a great conversation with somebody this week who said, something significant happened to me on November the 8th, just a few days ago. And they were reading through Proverbs chapter 8. And they tied those two things together. The significant event and the time that they had in God's word. And they shared with me that they will always remember Proverbs chapter 8 because of that event. That's a new well that they now have in their life. that They can look back on and say, here's how God resourced me. So don't overlook God's answered prayers. And when you find scripture that speaks specifically to you, 
This is a wonderful resource where God assures us of his sufficiency and his goodness. Think about this. I verify by personal discovery that God's resources are inexhaustible and that whatever he requires of me, he will also resource for me. You ever sense that God has something more for you? Something bigger? Something beyond just getting up and doing the daily grind and then going back to sleep and doing it all again on the next day? You ever sense God has something more for you? Whatever God calls us to, he will also resource for us. And when that happens, it's another well. It's another resource for us to gain strength. Here's the final episode in Isaac's life. From there, Isaac moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. I am the God of your father Abraham, he said. Do not be afraid, for I am with you and will bless you. I will multiply your descendants, and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. And here's what Isaac did. Notice this. He begins to worship, and Isaac built an altar there, and worshiped the Lord. He set up his camp at that place, and here's what he did. His servants dug another well. And what we find Isaac doing to the end of his life is resourcing himself. And so the challenge for all of us is we need to dig spiritual wells on our own. Let's borrow everything that we can. Let's copy everything that we can because that gives us strength as well. But at some point, we need to engage in these private spiritual disciplines on Monday through Saturday so that we have a spiritual well inside of us and we have a story to share of how God is resourcing me. And I believe the greatest way to do that is when we apply truth, when we live out this faith catalyst passionately, And we engage in practical teaching. So get here, because this is important. And this is valuable for our walk with Christ. Practical teaching. And this is what gets delivered for you. All right? But outside of here, we have a responsibility on our own to engage in these private disciplines. And again, today, we're focusing on time in God's Word and time in communicating with Him. If you're going to develop these spiritual disciplines, it takes work. Let's be honest, it's not easy. It's tough. And often, you know, where do I begin? And how do I talk with God? And the Bible is really an intimidating kind of book. And where do I even start in the process of more time in God's Word and communicating to Him? Yeah, it is tough. It's work, like digging a well. And we need to be prepared to work and to engage in what is difficult so that we can be spiritually resourced and not crabby as we work for Christ. All right, so in order to help us with this, because it is tough, I want to be very intentional with how I lead on this so that we all can have a win when it comes to developing these private spiritual disciplines. So here's our takeaways for today, and they're very, very practical. First of all, I want everyone to memorize Psalm 1914. All right, everybody in this room, I want you to memorize this. It is not too difficult, it is not too hard, and it is packed with power and truth. Here's what it says. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock 
and my Redeemer. Say it with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my Rock and Redeemer. Again, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my Rock and Redeemer. Again, may the words of my mouth and the meditation... Yeah, you almost have it down. And when we think about engaging in God's Word, this is one of the things that we can do. We can find these tremendous power-packed phrases and plant them in our minds. And here's why. So this week, some of you, maybe many of you, are going to get bad news about something. You're going to be troubled by that. You're going to be tipped over. Or you're going to have a really bad day at work. Or you're going to have somebody confront you and that's not going to go well. Or you're going to have some type of turmoil or stress in your family life. And what is it that you do in that moment? See, that's what matters. That's where we all have the opportunity to dig a spiritual well and resource ourselves so that we can look back and think about God's provision. And one of the things that we can do in those kinds of moments is that we can look to a verse like this and say, all right, in this moment, right? Like this is a tough thing. And often when we find ourselves there, we begin to spew all kinds of toxic language, don't we? I mean, this just happens for all of us. And so instead of that, what if I choose to dig a spiritual well in that moment and replace it with Psalm 1914, where I'm saying, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I say it again and again and again and as many times as I need to so that that spiritual well begins to bubble inside of me of what God's word can do to change me. See, that's going to happen for some people this week. And so how are you going to respond? What are you going to do? I want to challenge you and say, it's time to dig a spiritual well and replace whatever we used to do with God and the truth of his word and allow that to cleanse us. All right, so everybody, no excuse. You need to memorize Psalm 1914, and you've almost got it down, and I think that's a great challenge for all of us. I might quiz you on that next week. Seriously, so be ready. All right, number two. Participate in the prayer walk today at the Bethel Road campus. So we've talked about engagement in God's Word, and what about the prayer piece? Well, I want to invite every single person today to travel over to our Bethel Road campus. And if you don't know where that's at, there will be directions available for you at the Just For You station in the lobby. As soon as you leave here, we've got a prayer walk set up over there. And it's really geared toward our new home that we're dreaming about. This real home that we're convinced God wants to give us on that piece of property. And so we're beginning to pray about that and we're beginning to really ask God to just pave the way for some great work, great redemptive work on that piece of property and in this community and the communities that surround us. And so I would encourage you, don't let this day go by without actually walking through a spiritual exercise like this prayer walk. And you're going to be able to drive over there in about 20 minutes. You're going to walk through five different prayer stations and there's going to be printed prayers for you. Like, that's weird for you, and you're not, you know, what do I pray? What do I say? It's all packaged for you, 
And you're going to have that, and you're going to be able to walk through these stations. There's going to be something interactive in every place that you'll be able to do. And then a prayer that you can say out loud or say silently, however you want to work that. And in 20 minutes, you'll have the opportunity to engage in a private spiritual discipline outside of this room. And I just think everybody should do that. If you're here for the very first time today, welcome to Valley Point. Glad that you're here. Love for you to drive right over. And you can walk through that. I think you'll have a great time just praying and lifting up some specific requests to God for his work in this community. And I want to say, moms and dads, this is a tremendous opportunity for you to lead your family spiritually. Right? That can be tough. You know, how do you do that? And what do you say to your kids? Well, we've packaged an opportunity for you to take them on a journey through five different stations and lead them this way. And I think you'll walk away from that with a shared memory of what God can do when we just walk through these disciplines on our own. So a tremendous opportunity for everybody. You can walk through with your family. You can walk through on your own. You can go with a friend, whatever that looks like. I would encourage you, take the truth of what we find in Genesis 26. Memorize Psalm 1914, and then drive right on over. And take 20 minutes and engage in this spiritual discipline on your own. Again, you'll have a a shared story just to be able to share with your family of what God begins to do in your life. I want to share another story with you of someone here at Valley Point who's kind of a modern-day Isaac. And God has been working in his heart and in his life in terms of time in God's Word and in prayer. And it's changing him, and it's changing his family. His name is Tom Anderson. Let's watch this together. So probably when I was 18 or so, I basically turned my back on religion and my upbringing. I had a great foundation in Christian values from going to Sunday school and everything. I started to question what what really was spirituality? What, who was I? And so I did a lot of personal development work as far as everything that wasn't related to a religious figure. And I spent many years disconnected from God. And during that time, even though on the outside, I felt like I was a successful person and you would look at me and say, here's a happy guy who kind of has it going on. I started a family at that time and realized that I had a good life, but inside I really felt unfulfilled and very spiritually empty. And when I was 36, my best friend died. And after 25 years of having someone I could pick up the phone and call I didn't have that anymore. And so I would start to speak to him spiritually and hope that he could hear me. And during that time, I realized that I was also talking to God and hearing him saying back to me, you lost one friend, but I won't leave you. And he was speaking to my heart. And it started to open up that conversation again with us. And I started to speak more and more to him on a friend level. And I realized that that friendship that I had built with Jesus and built with God on in my childhood was still there. And even though I had turned my back and 
said, I don't really want to have anything to do with this religion thing anymore. He didn't give up on me. So back in May of this year, I went away for really a business trip, and it was a way for me to learn how to progress in, in my business. And unexpectedly, at the end of that weekend, we did this sort of personal reflection time, and I really connected in a way that I hadn't connected with God in a long time. It was like I had renewed my vows with God, and I said, I'm going to do that because I trust that I am where you want me to be. And so as soon as I came back, I immediately started to pursue a church, and I came right across Valley Point immediately. Just started to immediately immerse myself in everything that Valley Point had to offer and started reading the Bible just faithfully. It was always something that I wanted to do. So once I realized that I had basically given up 20 years of my relationship with God, who loved me no matter what, I realized that I wanted to rebuild that relationship and really throw myself into it and give myself back to him because I felt like I was a son who had left home and was disconnected with his father and with his entire family for a really long time. So for many years, I had no spiritual discipline in my life. I basically kind of left myself off the hook and I, it was kind of nice to not be accountable to God and to Jesus and to have to follow the words that I knew were true. Being involved now with Valley Point has just allowed me to be okay with who I am, imperfect and all. And when I make mistakes, just knowing that there's a plan for that, there's a reason I make those mistakes, and we're not perfect Christians. We're just doing life like everyone else. But now I have a group of people around me who support me in what I do. And so that's been amazing, finding a church like Valley Point where I can really feel like I'm at home and that the people around me feel more like family rather than other people that just go to the church. My life is changing because of spiritual discipline and applying truth is a big deal. So let us apply truth. This is the catalyst that we're thinking through truth of practical teaching like what we're walking through right now but the engagement on our own in private spiritual disciplines the ancient words of God's truth that we can memorize that help us cope and help us survive and then communicating with God talking with Him and we have this wonderful opportunity in front of us today to memorize Psalm 19.14 and then engage in a prayer event that will tune our hearts to apply truth. I hope that you'll engage. I hope that you'll do more than just think about applying truth. I hope and I pray and I want to challenge you to passionately live it out. Let's do that together. Father, we're thankful again for this day and for the opportunity we have to think through the life of Isaac and what he walked through and how he had to resource himself and dig his own wells. And he did the hard work of doing that. And eventually he had his own stories and his own wells, his own resources. God, I pray that you help us to do the same. God, help us not to be content with staying where we got in. Help us to do the hard work of discovery. Help us to look 
at your word. Help us to memorize it, plant it into our minds. And God, help us also to engage in communicating with you. God, I ask today that many, if not all of us, would engage in this practical exercise, this prayer walk that will start that journey for us as we pray for our future real home. God, I pray that you'd use today, again, to just help us live passionately for you. Now, this is what we desire, knowing that when we embrace these catalysts and really begin to live them, you will use us in ways that we can't even think about right now. And our impact will be unlimited as individuals, but also as a faith community in this area and beyond. God, we pray for that and we ask for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m.